here at Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka Campus, we have prepared a Christmas series that will remind you the hope in Jesus through his miraculous birth. My name is Philip Maura, and here is today's message. Bwana asifiwe. Merry Christmas. Please, if you can see me, tafadhali nipungia mkona hewani, awesome. So good to see you. So good to see you, even those who are watching us from home and karibuni. Karibuni is sana, sana. And thank you also for making it here to be in church, even with your children, and creating wonderful, wonderful memories. This is one of the things, actually, that I missed when I was growing up. You know, that I never, I didn't grow up going to church. Um, and for such a day Christmas, we, when I was a small boy, I was in the village. Boys were given the leeway to interact with things that would have been banned for the whole year. You know, some, some drinks. You know, some drinks in the village because people now are brewing some, some, some drinks. And so we would indulge ourselves, you know. And I look at my children, I look at these children, the memories that they have. Because uh, then I thought that I was enjoying, but actually looking back, um, it was messing me up. And so I do not miss those moments, but I thank the Lord that you guys are here and to praise the Lord and also to remember this day that he was born. And also thank you for your testimonies. Even as a church here, we have so, so many testimonies of what the Lord has done. Um, we have been witnesses of the many things that are happening in your lives. We have been with you, you know, during those hard moments. Many of you have experienced rather hard moments, you know, times of great need or moments of great grief. You know, but the Lord has allowed us to be part of you and to walk that journey. And that's why, or that's the reason why we exist as a community. That, um, you know, being able to represent Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was able to attend to weddings, you know, great moments of great celebrations. But also moments of grief. That he went, he, he, he went where there was celebration and fun and all that. But also he was able to attend you know, when moments were rather hard. And the good thing is that he doesn't send representatives. He himself shows up. So during those moments, may you praise the Lord. But also even during the hard moments, may you know that Jesus Christ doesn't send representatives. He shows up there. And so may you be encouraged that his presence is always with you. Um, I don't want to talk about just to drift from the mood of Christmas to say that, you know, last week I stood here and announced that, that, that France was going to win uh, the World Cup, but uh, it didn't work out. And so we, um, the France supporters, we have had not a very good start of Christmas, but in all, we want to thank the Lord. But I want to thank you guys for coming and always for responding to our events here in this church. We immerse ourselves in God's word. You know, and we take God's word seriously. But also, when we come for those community events, like on Friday we had such a big event here, you know, the Christmas bonfire and carols, and we did enjoy in the presence of the Lord. So in his presence, as his word tells us, that there is fullness of joy. So in the coming year, when you hear that there are great things happening on this side, please come and let us indulge, for the Lord has been good and faithful to all of us. And just getting into the discussion of today, Two Sundays ago, we started our Advent series, and you know we were focusing especially the events surrounding Christmas from the Book of Luke. And Advent in the Christian calendar is a celebrated, you know, just four weeks or three weeks, four weeks or five weeks just before Christmas, and it is observed by all Christians, you know. And here, what Christians do is to prepare themselves, 
you know, for the coming of the promised Messiah who was born in Bethlehem. And so it is a moment of great thanksgivings for us Christians who are on this other side, you know, where we celebrate or we say that, you know, in, our, in, our, in, in the way we count the years, that 2000, you know, AD, you know, that from the time of the Lord, our Lord coming, for us we respond to Christmas with thanksgivings, looking back at the fulfilled promises of God. But also, uh, Christmas for us believers, it is twofold because also we need to look forward with great hope and anticipation that yes, he came for the first time, but also he's going to come back again. You get, he said that he's going to come back for his bride. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that you are Christ's bride and he's going to come back for you. And I titled this series, it was a three-part series, I titled it, you know, um, Unusual Christmas for Usual People. And my focus was to look at people, how some people responded to the great visitation of God, you know. And, and, and in that moment, I, in the first sermon, if you may remember, we were talking about hope for the anxious. And we were introduced, us, we introduced ourselves to a story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah was a priest serving the Lord. And on this day, he was chosen by Lot to offer prayers. And to him, God came and visited with this grand promise that even in his old age, together with his wife Elizabeth, they are going to conceive and they are going to have a son. And this son will be the forerunner of Christ. And we learned that first, Zechariah didn't respond in a good way to this great news from the Lord. And we learned that as Christians, we need to always increase our faith in God and that our worship, the worship that we offer to our God, it needs not to be simplistic without conviction, that we need to be assured that I am going to the presence of the Lord, the one who fulfills all his, all his promises, the one who has said that what is impossible with man, it is not impossible with him. And so that's one of the things that we learned from that story. And we are calling it, you know, hope for the anxious because they had waited and waited. They were almost giving up. Last week, we looked at a story of a young girl called Eliza, I mean Mary. sorry, And this is a young girl of around 14 years of age and who was looking forward to get married. And at that time, the Lord appears to her with also good news that the inbreaking of God into human history will happen through her. And this news to a simple girl coming from a known family in a dusty and desperate town called Nazareth was not very simple, especially in a, to a girl who grew up in a culture that esteemed morality and equally dignity. And so as much as it was good news to her, it was also risky news because she would have been killed for sexual misconduct. But she received this news we learned with utter humility, something very unusual for a girl her age. And we learned that when God calls you to something that is hard or unpleasant, when God allows moments that are not palatable to come and to happen to your life, then like Mary, we need to respond with submission to God. We need to respond with faith to God. And we also need to respond with praise to our God. And so today we are, you know, Jesus must be born today. And so uh, we are going to study the response 
of the shepherds. We started by talking about you know, that this, for Zechariah, that was hope for the anxious, for Mary, it was hope for the meek. And also today, we are going to focus on the story of the shepherds, where we are going to, uh, to see that this was a message of hope to the last, those who were on, on the fringes, you know, those who could not have been reached per se. And so, if you may please stand with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. The last two sermons we have looked in, uh, in it's Luke, chapter 1. And today we are going to read from and camp at Luke, chapter 2, from verse 1 all the way to verse 20. That's what we are going to discuss today. I'm not going to keep you for long. I know you may need to go and make some chapatis at home. Um, so uh, I, I understand that. I also need to do the same. <laughs> so this, this is quite selfish. All right, if you're there uh, with me, the Bible says, I'm going to just read and make a few comments there. Uh, from verse 1 to verse 3, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. From the onset, I have to remind you that Augustus, this Caesar Augustus, was one of the greatest rulers of the Roman Empire. And by this time, the Roman Empire had really grown, you know, and we looked at in the first sermon, um, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Augustus here is celebrated and remembered for starting something that in Latin is called Pax Romana, that during this time of his reign, the Roman Empire, and so to speak, the world, witnessed a season of great peace. Not that there were no challenges and wars, but considered with what had happened before and what had happened later, that during this time, the Roman Empire had experienced considerable peace. And during that time also, because the, the empires would, and rulers would occupy land by force, during this time he was occupying land while, while there was still peace. And so the Roman Empire had ex expanded extensively and also had grown economically because of their tax policies. And at this time, Rome was occupying the land of Israel, but for some reasons, I think the Romans were very, very gracious to the Jewish, or they were sensitive to the Jewish religion that not many Jews were in the army. But they also had to get their taxes. And so when this uh, decree was made, it was actually meant to increase the tax pool. So you can only imagine if Kenya Revenue Authority today tells you that, you know, you, please line up here so that you can register, so that you can pay your taxes. No one actually can show up, right? You know, we can't show up for such a time. You know, because we know that, you know, I, uh, let, me, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me save this. And many of you as Kenyans, you know that you have gone to countries where you hear that there are no taxes. You know that your gross is your net. And many of you have looked for those opportunities to go there. Because we don't like paying taxes. You know, you work so hard, then a big chunk is taken away from you. And then you see people enjoying. You get some of these leaders enjoying your hard-earned cash, right? So, but for this time... 
This decree was made so that they can increase their tax pool. And verse 4 says, verse 4 to 6 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And so as much as this decree is not something that is very, very pleasant, also it has come at a worse of time for Joseph. It was such an inconvenient, uh, a decree that was inconveniencing them in a way. And we see here Joseph submitting himself to God, even when he thought that Mary was unfaithful, when he thought that God, why have you done such a thing? You know, that to some extent God had to intervene and to tell him, take care of this girl. I am the one who is responsible for all this. And Joseph then submits himself to God. And when he submits himself to God, he also again submits to himself to the political government, you know, and makes this journey so that he can be counted and not so that he can be able to earn anything. In any case, it's so that his income from the uh, furniture shop that he had, you know, even his income, you know, can be slashed and taken away by a foreign government. But anyway, he obliged and, you know, makes this trip and these orders make this long journey to Bethlehem. And I was uh, thinking about that sometimes obeying God's will, you know, sometimes we think that obeying God's will takes us to a place that is comfortable. But we see even from this story that Joseph and Mary obeying God's command, obeying under God's will, it took them to uncomfortable and unsettling routes. And I was thinking that like, just like Joseph and Mary, we must learn to have that faith and see the inconveniences that comes in our lives as divine interventions and not necessarily disruptions that come to disorient us. So as much as we think that Augustus was controlling the events on earth, God actually was controlling these events. That Augustus was making a decree as God would have intended. I, I, I see this from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Why it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient of time. So they had to go to Bethlehem, and as much as it looked like God was inconveniencing them, this, this, this census should not have happened at such a worse time, that still there is one who was controlling all these events. And the earlier prophets had prophesied that actually this king, the one who will rule over God's people forever, will be born in Bethlehem. Verse 6 to 7 there says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. To her firstborn a son, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in just two verses there, the, the long-awaited event in human history happened just like that. Not in the glare of cameras, but in the most unusual place 
for a son of God, the one who owns everything, the one who created everything, was born in a very unusual place. There was no midwife, no gyna, no diapers, so to speak. The owner of the universe was born in a dark, dusty, manger devoid of any known modern comfort. But in that ordinary manger where animals feed, brothers and sisters, that is where our redemption and our hope commenced. That those little hands of our Lord, of this baby who would later become a big man, who will interfere with the history of man, those little hands will grow with strength and will wrestle and defeat our ultimate enemy, that is death and sin. And so in verse 8, we are now introduced to the story of the shepherds. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. At night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is one of the most familiar nativity scenes in the Bible. When even you ask children what was around there, they can mention maybe a shepherd here or there. And the angel of the Lord comes, and they were terrified when the glory of God shone. It was overwhelming and surrounded them. They were just relaxing in the dark of the night. And then this great light shines on them. And they were terrified. Perhaps they remembered maybe the stories of the old. In the book of Exodus chapter 33. And Moses has been walking with the Lord. And Moses pleads with the Lord. You know, I want to see you. Show me your glory. And God says, you can't see me and live. So they know, the shepherds know that this is a very unusual moment. We might actually die. And I've stood here many, many times telling you guys that if you were to see the whole presence of God, you know, the one thing that you do is to fall down in worship. Fear strikes you. But there is one thing that does, that fear does on when God comes. There is a fear that he brings. And also there is a fear that he takes away. That we need to approach God with the fear of knowing that he is the holiest, the mightiest, the great king. And he takes the fear away. The fear that surrounds us every time. The fear and the dangers that lurks around us. But then we respond with another fear. That fear that leads us to worship him. And the angel of God comes and says to them, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And I don't know if you have ever received good news. One time, I, when we were, God bless us with our firstborn, you know, we had experienced a hard journey, uh, especially in pregnancy, my wife. And so we, were, we had depleted our resources in hospital. So when our baby was born, at the end of the month, 
we were not doing very, very well. And so we delayed a little bit paying our rent as we were trying to figure out where are we going to get the resources so that we can pay our landlord. And so the day passed, you know, the deadline when we need to pay rent passed. And it passed with a couple of days. And I knew that the landlord would come and we are not going to have a very pleasant conversation with him. And so what he did, uh, I mean, one day I knew that he was, he would definitely come as he used to, you know, there's a way that if you, the relationship with your landlord, you know their ways, right? And um, during this time, as my wife was nursing the child and all that, the owner of the house came and he, I knew that it is him and he knocked on the door and I didn't know what to say because I knew what he is demanding and I didn't have it. And so he knocked again and uh, I, I know you are waiting for, to hear that I opened the door but, uh, because I'm your pastor, uh, but I didn't open the door. Uh, and so he, he, he left. In any case, the lights were off. You know, uh, you, you know this thing, right? And so a couple of days later, he comes. He came a bit earlier than how I was expecting him. And the door was slightly open. And so he came and knocked, and he pushed the door because it was open. He just pushed it slightly. And before me, there was my landlord, face to face, eyeball to eyeball. And I was shaking a little bit because I knew what he wanted. I didn't have it. And so he came and, you know, uh, said, uh, have you paid your rent? And I fumbled and stammered some things there. Then he said, oh, actually, I wanted to let you know that if you have not yet paid your rent, that that will be my gift to your child for I know that you delivered, you got a baby. You know? If you have paid, do not pay next month. You know, that is my gift to the child. And you can only imagine the joy that I had at that moment. I want to remind you that our children have come in quick succession, but the second one, the, the landlord didn't respond in kind. <laughs> so I thought, and I had delayed, you know, paying it just in case. <laughs> but he realized this young man, the way he's doing this thing, uh, he might mess my finances. So I had to pay it anyway. I had to pay it. Friends, many of us have refused the good news of God, of Jesus Christ, because he comes, they think that he comes with a demand, that demanding something that we do not have. And if you think that Jesus, when you are being invited to receive Jesus Christ, you think that he's demanding something that I do not have, then you are never going to accept him. But Christ comes not to demand. He comes actually to pay your bills. That is what we owe to God, what we cannot be able to pay. And he comes with the power to pay the bills that we owe him. And that is why it is good news. And sometimes we feel we refrain from accepting him because we feel like he's a landlord who is coming to demand from us. But he comes to pay our bills. What we owe and what we cannot pay. 
He comes to give what we need, not to take anything from us. That's the reason why it should open our hearts. And I was thinking even the words that are recorded in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand on the door and knock. If you hear me, if anyone hears me and opens the door, I will come in, I will eat with him, and he will eat with me. And I was thinking actually that I think Jesus also comes with his own food. You get, he comes to the party with his own material. It's not actually a food that he eats. He comes well resourced to eat his own. But many times, we do not want to accept him. We do not want, but he comes with something to share with us. That's the good news of Christmas, brothers and sisters, that we owe, we owe God with no means to pay, but he paid for us. So, friend, the birth of Christ is good news. And it's good news to all the people. The shepherds there, the Bible says there, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And this news is coming to the shepherds. And let me tell you about the shepherds then. Shepherds were not people that were loved. They were doing a job that is not liked by many. So they will take care of the sheep or the goats or whatever. And then during the annual events, or those events of, uh, you know, where they, 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 you know, they, there will be sacrificial offerings, that's when they brought the, their, their flock so that it can be offered as a sacrifice, you know, in Jerusalem, in the temple. And so these guys, whenever they would come, people feared them. And so they were not loved. They were down there in the hierarchy of whatever, in the social status. They were down there. They were not people who were liked or loved. Actually, I was reading one story that if you gave, if you had an incident and you invited a shepherd to be part of your witness, their testimony was not admissible in a court of law. So you say, do you have, do you have uh, witnesses? Then you say, yes, I have two shepherds. No, no, no. We can't accept that one. That's where they were. No one loved them. No one cared for them. No one actually trusted them. In any case, I think some writings will suggest that they were treated with suspicion. You know, when they come, people would say, you know, take care of your belongings. The shepherds are actually around. And these are the people that God entrusts with the good news. The word good news there, from the original language there, means evangelize. That they were the first to receive the good news of evangelization and they were supposed to also go out there and also evangelize and share the message of Christ. So friends, this is an amazing parallel that as a church, as a body of Christ, that we are to make known to others what the Lord has made known to us about our Savior. I pray that you not as the shepherds are sent, that during this time of Christmas, that you're not going to keep to yourself what the Lord has done. We have shared testimonies today of the goodness of the Lord. I pray that we can share those testimonies with our children, with our family members, of what God has done. Have time with your children to reflect, to count the blessings of the Lord, what God has done, because as long as you're breathing, God has been in one way or another faithful to you. Faithful to you. Even when you don't feel like you, like you, you, know, you don't have anything, 
to share with God's people, to testify. Remember that the first evangelists were shepherds who even when their testimony would not be admissible, and as we'll see later, that actually they shared the good news. If shepherds could not be trusted, how much for you? They were trusted and became the first people to announce the birth of a savior to our people. Paul writes in the book of 1 Corinthians something there, where he says that, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, he writes and he says, but God chose the foolish things. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one among them, no one may boast before him. No man or no woman can boast before him because it's the Lord who has done this great thing. If you have it in your heart that you have nothing to contribute, remember the shepherds. You have something to contribute in the kingdom of God. But along with that, Luke doesn't record it, but in Matthew, there were also people who came to see Jesus. The wise men, there were not three, you know, but there were wise men. We do not know the number. And the wise men of the Orient, as we have sung today, these were men of great academic brilliance. They were the top cream in the society. And they were, they, you know, they were at the place where they would make decisions for their nation. I think even before they were released from that land to come to where Jesus was, they must have received or they must have been released by their president, so to speak. So these were men who were highly connected. And they came with gifts. They came with, you know, they, they came with solid gold and ma and other gifts. They came with them. So they were guys who had money. They were guys who had power. They were guys who had connections. And they came to testify of the, that, that indeed a king has been born, that a king has been given to us. So God, in, in, on one side, we see the poor and the rejected and the suspected. On this other side, we see the people who are esteemed, who have everything that they need. They can enjoy the comforts of the, law, of, of the earth and everything that the earth can offer. And all of them, both the weak and the strong, the poor and the rich, they come to testify that indeed they, there is a king who has been born. That's what, look here, right? The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That is the weak and the meek, but also the great and the might. That also this good news is equally for them. Friends, if God has blessed you with things throughout the year or positions and wealth, you know, that he has withheld from other people, but has trusted you with it, has trusted you with these material blessings. God has blessed you in such a way so that you may share the great news of our living King and of our Savior. God has entrusted you, whether you are in the position of a shepherd or a king, with the good news that the news of his birth can reach to all. And he can use you today. 
at your current position. He can use you today. And you are placed, especially for those who are placed in positions of influence, he has placed you there so that the word of God can reach out to many and you are de- deployed there for a purpose and for a reason. God, you know, we have sung today, you know, go tell you to the mountain. And mountains are symbols of might, of strength, of stability. Mountains need nothing from others. They are self-sufficient, so to speak. But the news of Jesus Christ's birth, go tell it to the mountain. Even those who think that they are able, they are self-sufficient, also even to them, they also need the good news. In verse 13, it says there, suddenly a great... Sorry, I've jumped something there. Let me read verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. He is Christ the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. There's something that always happens in heaven. And that is the praise and the worship of who God really is. And sometimes we feel like, hey, the thing that God has done to me, I don't feel like even I need to praise him or even to worship him. God has hurt me. How can God allow such a thing to happen? How can God allow such a person to hurt me? I don't feel like I need to worship him. And you feel like God will be like, please praise me, you know, worship me. No, every time, 24 hours, all days from when, even before the foundations of the earth were laid in its place, even before the galaxies and the Milky Way and everything was placed in its place, was placed where it is now, God was still being praised. So it, it is to your disservice that you sometimes you can say that I don't feel like worshiping God today. There's always that praise there. Glory to God in the highest. So this worship is happening in, in, in the heavens. And then the angels are, are saying that glory to God even in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds say to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was, uh, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's what verse 19 says. So friends, the shepherds themselves, they say, you know, let's go to Bethlehem together. Let's go and see this great and mighty thing that has happened. And when they went there, the Bible records some words there. You know, it says that when people heard, and all who heard it were amazed. You know, some of your versions would say something like, you know, the people wondered. Some of the versions they are, you know, they say marveled at what they heard from the shepherds. Finally, God has done a turnaround. People are amazed. And I kept wondering, what could the people be thinking about? Maybe they were thinking, what if this is true that actually a savior has been born? What if it's true that what we have been waiting for? Finally, God has revealed himself. That the good news, finally, what we have been waiting for hundreds of years has happened. 
People marveled and people wondered and people perhaps were encouraged. And many times this is where our faith began. What if it's true that Christ died for me? What if it's true that Christ is living, the Son of God? What if it's true that he loves me? And you respond with faith to what you have heard and the news becoming amazing to you and you marvel at that. What if it's true? And then in verse 8, 19 there, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That Mary stored up everything that he had heard from the, from, from the shepherds. You remember that he's now, you know, the angel Gabriel appeared to her and then Elizabeth confirmed that blessed is you who has believed, you know. And then finally, maybe Joseph also told her about, you know, I, also I had this dream. And then the shepherds are coming and saying that this is a savior that we have been waiting for because the shepherds told them everything they had heard, everything they had seen. And so Mary treasured all these things in her heart. I think actually the word there, it, 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 the, the original word there has a connotation meaning, you know, keeping it up to yourself, storing it in your memory, seeing what God has done. And to Mary, this news confirmed everything that she has heard. The shepherds, you know, narrated to her how they had seen an angel and the news of a savior who has been born. They confirmed, and this cemented in her heart, in her mind, her earlier confirmations. Everything is tying and connecting together. She added up. She adds them up and preserved this in her memory. She pondered and stored it up. He is the son of God, this child. He is my Lord, and he is my Savior. Friends, I, don't, I do not know what is in your treasury. I do not know what you treasure, but I pray that from this word we can learn to treasure the things and the truths of God in our hearts so that in times of great need, we can be comforted and we can be encouraged. I pray that you carry the words of Christ in your heart during this Christmas and say that indeed I believe that Jesus, as it has been confirmed in the scriptures and witnesses of his people that he is risen, he is alive, and he'll come back for me. There is a future, there is a hope for me. These are the truths that you need to carry. One of the things that happens, you know, in my interest, especially with the, with the, with the, with the sea, sea liners, the ship, the ones that carry thousands of tons, one of the things that they actually they stored down there in the belly, actually they either put a lot of sand or a lot of water. And a ship can carry this weight, you know, that is about a third of its own total weight so that it can be stable in the sea, so that it can, you know, it will not be able to, uh, to drift and go to where it is not needed. Friends, there is something just like the ship that we need to store in our hearts. There are some truths that we need to treasure in our hearts. There is something that we need to store in our hearts. And that is the truth of God in our heart. So that even times when, I, when times are hard, when we meet turbulence and other restrictions, we can be able to know that indeed we, I know for sure, without a shadow of doubt, that there is a God in heaven. When moments are hard, when you're going through a moment of grief, that you know that God has said that he will never leave you or forsake you. Those are the things that we need to treasure in our hearts. 
Mary connected everything and treasured this in her heart. We need to do the same. We need to do the, the same so that our faith can be increased and our faith can be nurtured. And even when life and its implications come, we can remain steadfast like a sheep in the high seas. Friends, do you treasure today that Christ is born? That he is your Lord and he is your Savior? Do you have hope in him? Do you treasure that you are the Lord's and do you know that you are accountable to him? And because you are the Lord's, then there is a hope and there is a purpose for you. Finally, the verse there ends there with these words. Verse 20. The sheep, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, we have seen that there is something that we need to treasure in our hearts. But also, there's something that we need to praise the Lord for. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising the Lord for all the things that they had heard and seen. They had seen the glory of God. They had heard the good news that they, there was a Savior who has been born. In any case, they had seen him. Even before anyone else showed up. The real baby shower was just a witness. They had nothing. In any case, they were smelling and they had their shepherd stick and all that and their stuff and they came and witnessed. And also other men now came. And I think the shepherds were men. So uh, this perhaps is an encouragement that men, you need to show up for the, bridal sh- I mean, for the baby showers, you know, because the shepherds and the wise men, the kings, you know, they came with all kinds of gifts. They left praising the Lord. The night that had begun with them lodging in the darkness and with them praising and thanking the Lord. A remarkable transformation that happened in such a short time all because a savior had been born. Brothers and sisters, I pray that this will be your response. That today you will be amazed. If you have not come to faith, may you be amazed. May you wonder, could Christ have been born for me? Did actually Christ live for me? Will Christ fulfill all the promises that he has in store for me? And then after that, you treasure those truths in your heart so that even during the hard moments, you can be encouraged. And then after that, you can erupt with a song of praise to the Lord like the shepherds did. Because indeed, you have seen, you have heard who God is and what God has done. And because of that, then you can say that then this is a Merry Christmas to you. I pray that you remember these words and you treasure them in your hearts even as you continue enjoying the season of Christmas. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may you have a wonderful time of Christmas as you remember what Christ has done. Amen. And so now I can ask you Merry Christmas. God bless you and God keep you.